We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. Coming to you from West Seneca, New York, in the south towns of Buffalo. Where we week seven preview, Bills Patriots, division rivalry. I'm your producer, Chris Krueger. He has no voice, your host, Drew Gear. <laughs> I don't know about no voice, but I can't. Uh, you can't do it. Just you can't, can't do the wind up. We can't go this week. Guys, funny thing happened today. I forgot my cell phone at home. You know, thinking about back to Sunday's game. Is this where you talk about how somehow you got in contact with your wife to get in contact with me that she's going to come bring your phone when you could have just emailed me? Did you forget about that? Well, I don't know your email address, so. Well, I mean, you did send me notes for the show tonight. So. Sure, because I got my laptop out of my truck and then brought it into the building Sent him and then closed my laptop and then went about my business for the rest of the day. Bang. <laughs> so we can debunk that. So, yeah, we can. Yeah, they all came from my personal email address, correct? Yes, at yes. one thirty in the afternoon. Yes, that's when I take lunch, Chris, because well, I have a real job that requires focus, and I don't get to pick when I take a break. I'm working in an office atmosphere, but I have a lot of shit to do. So with that in mind, <laughs> with that in yeah. mind. Can you do 100 push-ups in 20 minutes? Oh, I could do 100 push-ups right now. <laughs> I could do 100 push-ups. I could do at least 25 to 30 at a clip. Meanwhile, you missed, you, missed you the, hurt yourself trying to do 12. You missed where that came from. No. Because you're not, you don't know. Because uh, I didn't watch Coneheads? No, because you don't know Saturday Night Live <laughs> when Will Ferrell's at the dinner table <clears throat> with... 
Anna Gasteyer and Sarah Michelle Geller talking about his Dodge Stratus and how important no. he is. No. I could do 100 push-ups in 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like Anchorman. Ooh, 100. 100. Ooh, it's a deep burn. <laughs> now, so I left my cell phone at home today, and it's one of these things where when you think about things that age you, one of them that makes you feel older than you should is sitting through a football game like we sat through on Sunday. That's a throwback to, like, 1980s football, where no one could move the fucking ball, no one could do anything. Or any time we played the Cleveland Browns. True. Absolutely true. I left my phone at home, and I didn't realize it until I was halfway down the highway on my way to work. <laughs> I'm obviously not turning around to go get it. So all day I sat there with no phone, and then I realized, I'm like, I know my wife's email address. I'll email her and I'll tell Chris. I was like, I'll email her, tell her, hey, I don't have my phone. Tell Chris the pizza will be ready at such and such a time. <laughs> and I will figure the rest of the shit out as I go. What's funny is a whole day without my cell phone. I got to say, I didn't miss it. It was actually kind of liberating. Like, when you don't have that instant gratification, just like, hey, I could Google this, or hey, I could look at... And I mean, I have my laptop in front of me, and I could just Google something. But it was weird that my phone, like, I realized how much of that... Checking Twitter, checking my Facebook group chats, checking my checking my different group... I think I have, like, five different group chats going at any given time. Disconnected from all that, you find out that life's actually pretty simple. And this is kind of nice. It's kind of nice being unplugged from all this. Chris, I don't know what dumb shit you guys were talking about in our group with uh, Mark. I'm sure I'm sure I didn't miss anything intelligent. Oh, I'll uh go to it. I took a screenshot of it <laughs> and I sent it to I sent it to Jessica. So, uh Jessica put something on social media about her and I getting married. Uh, this is from our attorney, Mark. What the fuck at Chris Krueger? Congratulations, dog. Iman. Whoa. Iman. Is that lotion in Chris's hand? <laughs> Yulberg. Way to go at Chris Krueger. Mark. I think it's Listerine. Iman. Travel size. Me. What happened? <laughs> This is it. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's nothing intelligent happening in these group chats. What? So this attachment we all feel to our phones, like, I don't get it. We're all plugged into something cool. It's not all that great when you unplug and then look back at it. Now, mind you, I will pick that up tomorrow and I will waterboard these dickheads with memes. Like, that's going to happen. Yeah. That's my role in any group chat. I'm the guy who doesn't communicate for... You'll send 50 messages, and then I'll respond. Now, I'm not part of the conversation. I'll just chime in with five memes, and then something controversial, or like I'll ask a question, and then I'll vacate the chat for another five hours. That's my role. That's what I do here. I didn't miss having my phone today, but it did make me feel old, as did watching the Bills play a 14-9 to game. It's fucking wild. 
Yeah. That's 80s throwback shit. Hopefully it's better this week as we take on the New England Patriots. Your week seven preview, the Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. The time is 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. Your place, the Gillette Stadium Fox in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Which, what is it called? Like Patriots Place? I don't know. Sure. I... Will that place, if Bilicek and Brady are both gone, eventually become like a cool ghost town that we could visit? Kind of like how the local McKinley Mall is falling apart. Yeah. Can we, I can't wait for the day that that place turns into that. The weather is going to be partly cloudy, 58 degrees with almost no precipitation. Gorgeous day for a football game. Chris, what do we got for a line on this? I wouldn't be, I'm going to pull it up on Yahoo, but... If I had to guess, it's probably going to be Bills minus six and a half would be my guess. Bills minus eight and a half. Eight and a half? Over under 41 on the nose. Really? Yeah. The crew is Cleet Blakeman. Heard of that guy. Yeah. Do you know why? Because he's not Land Clark. Because he's not Land Clark. Cleet Blakeman and Carl Sheffers are two of the referees in the NFL who believe that the boys should just be able to play. Now, I don't know whether that bodes well for Buffalo or not, Chris, because we're going up against an inferior opponent. I'm. How many penalties do you think the... Under over on how many calls the Patriots get away with this weekend that make me throw a beer across the room? Two. Two? All right. This could go both ways. Either the Bills finally stop being penalized to death, or they just let the Patriots cheat their asses off in order to keep the game close. Who knows? Dice roll. And who do we get on the call, Chris? Ian Eagle and Chuck Davis. Charles Davis. Now, I have no way of calculating how we could do this Seagram's bet. Okay. But it would entail... The Bills having a 5-4, maybe 5-touchdown lead. <laughs> and I don't, know, okay. I don't know how you could calculate this bet, because if it is a 4-touchdown, 5-touchdown lead for the Bills in the second half, the Seagram's bet would be what markets change out of the Bills Holy shit. and uh, Patriots what? game. Yeah. Please put that in the YouTube graphic. Holy shit. Yeah, we're everywhere this week. <laughs> we're the... Wow. Yeah, essentially... That uh, looks like a COVID map back in like 2019, 2020. Yeah, well, uh, if you go to 506sports.com, you can see the coverage map. Essentially, if you went west of the Mississippi with the exception of the south, the west coast gets the Bills game on local TV, wow. including Alaska and Hawaii. Yeah, we're getting we're getting tropical out yeah. here. Now, it's, it's what fun. is that green? Uh, Cleveland and Indianapolis. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I feel bad for Jason Hicks and Ball. He gets that on his local TV. Oh, no. And, and I think it's what's kind this of... What's his weird blue band that somehow sneaks into New York from all the way from Texas? Uh, the Redskins and the Giants. Why is Texas getting the Giants? Because Dallas and the Giants are in the same division. Okay, so what are the 4 o'clock games? Are there only three 1 o'clock games? On CBS. CBS late, you get Chargers and Chiefs, and then your Fox single is a late game, Pittsburgh and the Rams. Wow. 
Pittsburgh and the Rams. I'm sure that'll be exciting. Yeah. God. Chris, it is funny when we think about the Patriots and the fact that look at all the national appeal this game has. Well, CBS only has three to choose from. Well, I mean, they picked the right one because, holy shit, those other two games are dogs. But it's funny thinking that this was one of the games that I used to look at the NFL schedule for. I used to wait for it to come out and then just try to earmark it. That's the day. Bills versus Patriots. It's this day and this day. It used to make every Bills fan salivate at the just this idea that we were going to get another crack at this team. Even if the rivalry that we felt was kind of one-sided, Chris. Yeah. Like it's they Chris, they were. They were Dom Draper in the elevator talking to that guy where he's like, I just feel bad for you. He's like, I don't think about you at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't exist to me. <laughs> the moment the door closes, you cease to exist. That's who the Bills were to the New England Patriots. And now the boot is on the other foot, as they say in Australia. I don't know. Swenson, check me on that. Is that an Australian phrase? If yeah. not, I got to find a new one. The boot is obviously on the other foot here. Now, it was must-see TV, Chris. Like, what changed? Do you think it's just a byproduct of the team's fortunes? Like, the Bills are 6-1 and one against the Patriots since Brady left in 2019. We have a plus 110-point differential against them during that time span. The Patriots have only been in the postseason once since Brady left. And that was the game where we the perfect game in the in zero degree weather. The Bills played the perfect offensive game. You you allowed that to happen in the playoffs, not just a regular season game, the playoffs. And you haven't been back since. Like, that's the most complete ass kicking anyone's ever received. It was on national TV in front of the whole world. I think that has, I think we've, it almost feels like we've slayed the dragon already. And so now there's not a lot we have left to prove. Chris, it does really feel hard to generate animosity for this team anymore. Huh? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, Schadenfreude, <laughs> I'll never get into, I'll never get tired of that. 
And it's with that in mind that we bring in Mr. Christian Simonelli, star of the AFC's Roundup podcast, longtime friend of the show. Christian, how are you doing tonight? Miserable. How are you? Miserable. How are you? Oh, come on. It's not all that bad, right? Like you guys. No, it's least... actually much worse. <laughs> you guys at least scored some points this week. I guess if you could call 17 points scoring points, okay. I, I'll say this. This season has had a very cinematic feel to it. Like, I'm I'm picturing Billy Madison when the O'Doyle family car flips over the bridge and explodes. <laughs> or when, like, little Bill Daggett gets, gets gut shot and just left to die on the floor of that bar in Unforgiven. It's, it's like when the guy who's had, like, who finally gets what he has coming to him, like, and doesn't realize it yet, like, when it finally happens... And they, it truly feels like they deserve it. And then you watch it and you go, that's sad. <laughs> like, that's, that, that, that's kind of sad, but I'm still going to revel in it. Does this loss to McDaniels sting? That's two years you know, in a row. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, at this point, um, all, all, the, all the, you know, sort of the isms that we used to use for the team about – uh, you know, not losing back-to-back games, not losing um, home games, not losing to this guy, doing this well against rookie quarterbacks, um, doing this against former coaches, former, you know, players, this, that, and the other thing. All that's out the window, and nothing really surprises me anymore. It doesn't necessarily sting. Um, the Raiders aren't that much better than you, and it was basically the game was decided on a safety, really. Um Mac probably threw, I'd say, the best ball of his career to Devontae Parker. And it literally just went right through Parker's hands. And that pretty much was the game. Um, if Parker catches that, maybe they get into field goal position and they win the game. Um, but that's a big maybe with this offense this year. So, no, it doesn't really sting. It, it's just, I, I man, we got 11 more weeks of this shit. <laughs> This is this is the hard thing. Now, Chris and I have lived this. You, it's it's almost like we're Bane. Do you talk to your dad about this season compared to nineteen ninety or ninety one Patriots? Uh, if he was alive, I would. Uh, but I remember, <laughs> I remember in 07 when they were going to be undefeated. He was alive, and um, he just every week he shook his head. He couldn't believe it, and he goes, "You know, you don't remember because you were only ten but you don't know how bad it was around here and you don't know how good it is now. So you better relish this because this isn't going to last forever. And that always stuck with me. He said, this is not real. This is not, this is not reality. Cherish it. And so I, I, I often replay that in my head every week when I see this team play, cause man, was he right, man. See that spooky. Like he's speaking to you from the past. He's like, Oh, it's I wild. Yeah. It, it's almost like a Ninja turtles when they see splinter, like in the flame and it's just your dad. And he's like, I warned you about this. <laughs> I warned you that this was going to be what it was like. I tried right. to tell right. you. <laughs> oh my God. Like the regression, like if we're going to break this game down and break down what the new England Patriots are in 2023, the regression of the offense has to be the most disappointing part of the entire thing, right? It is, and it's really incredible when you think about it because last year the offense was so bad, but they at least moved the ball and scored points at times. Um, and we and last year we had said 
we're not watching an NFL offense. This is not an NFL offense. Well, I would take last year's offense 100 times over this one, and I killed Matt Patricia and Joe Judge last year. I, I still haven't gotten an answer to the question. I don't know how you could go through an offseason, and I don't know how you can have all these spring practices and mini camps and training camps and practices and, and self-evaluation and meetings, meetings and meetings and meetings and hours of meetings and hours of game plan and look this bad. It's, I, I just I, I don't understand it. Like I, I know that the players aren't great, and some of them aren't even really good, quite frankly. I just don't understand how you could possibly be this inept as an NFL football team. St- I just st- don't understand it. Statistically, you're somehow worse. And it right. is mind-boggling because Bill O'Brien was supposedly a step up. Now, I watched Alabama last year. <laughs> I, I understood what they were with him. But they had talent. And at the same time, they weren't great. And this is where I I say this. I was having this conversation with my wife when we talked about it in the AFC show this week. This concept that Bill Bill O'Brien being traded back and forth between Nick Saban and now uh, Bill Belichick, it it makes a lot of sense. They're friends, Bilicek and Saban. And both of their teams are going to struggle and fail this season along the exact same lines. Quarterback, they over-evaluated their quarterback. They under-evaluated their, their offensive line. And they don't have any wide receiving talent. <laughs> that's where these three, that's where the, both of those teams are going to die. And so it's funny watching it happen because the deterioration of Mac Jones this didn't it's not just that Mac Jones got worse. Right? People look at Kenny Pickett and go, well, how Kenny Pickett regressed. Did he or did Deontay Johnson get hurt and he had backups to throw to? And all of a sudden nobody knew how to call a game plan for how to get these not so talented players into a position to make the offense win. The regression of Ramondre Stevenson is probably the more concerning of the two. I'd say, as an outsider looking in. Now, we'll talk about all this, but in terms of turnovers, the offense is generating them faster than the defense can keep up with, which is half of the Patriots' issue when it comes to getting blown out in some of these games recently. Mac Jones, when throwing 0-20 to yards, he has three touchdowns, seven interceptions. In the 0-10 to yard window from the line of scrimmage, no touchdowns, three picks. How much of this is max accuracy and how much blame goes to the wide receivers just not getting the separation that they need to execute what Bill O'Brien thinks is a game plan in these super dangerous areas of the field? I put the blame on the wide receivers for not getting the separation. Um, they, they have one of the slowest wide receiver you know, uh, cores in the league, if not the slowest. No one can get open. Um, I mean, you're, they do, you're not kidding. Devontae Parker is currently last in the NFL yeah. among all qualified players, which there's more than 60 who have qualified for next-gen stats at this point. He is last in average separation at 1.9 yards, even though he gets five yards of cushion. And that's the and that's the guy. Amazingly, that they decided to sign to an extension in the offseason for thirty three million dollars. That's uh, it. I, I just I don't. 
I, I don't. And, and then you go and you t- sign Juju for $25 million. Um, so it's definitely the wide receivers have to blame for not getting separation. But look, it, 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 it starts and ends with Mac. Mac turns the ball over once, if not twice, almost every game. The only game he didn't was against the Jets. Oh, and he tried to. <laughs> he tried to. He tried to. <laughs> but they dropped him, and they won that game, 15-10. to 10. Every other game that he's, that he's turned the ball over, they've lost. And this is not just simply a case of, of turnovers, but this is a case of there is no rhythm at all. Like, they just can't get a drive going. And even when they do, there's a stupid penalty, um, you know, holding. On the Ramondre Stevenson front, extremely disturbing because Ezekiel Elliott, who is his best days are clearly behind him, when he's out there, he looks like the better runner, despite the fact that they're both running behind the, off, the same offense, future offensive line. And I don't understand that either. I don't get it. I don't know what's wrong with Ramondre. I, if there's something, if there's an injury that they're not disclosing or what, but he did receive a ton of touches last year. And they really eased up on him down the stretch because they used him way too much during the air. And, and, you know, I think that that had a big impact on his lack of use towards the end of last year. Um, but you're telling me that that now carried over into this year and this is why he looks this way. There are I mean, just so many questions. Like, what I, if he's Eddie Lacy? Like, what if he's a guy yeah, like Eddie Lacy right. who you he's just, hey, he had very little tread through. left and you wore it right. off? He could be. I mean, I, I don't recall how much he was used in college. Like, if he was used that much, I got to go back and, and look. But I, I don't remember his carries being, like, unbelievably high. You know, whereas, like, Alabama, you know, like, like Eddie Lacy, for example, oh, they just, yeah. you know, <laughs> drive their backs into the ground. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they used to. Um, but I, I just... Yeah, I don't know. He could, it could be he could be that type of guy. Like, what do they say? The average NFL career is what three years. So, yeah. I mean, this is like his third season. I don't know. I just, I just the offensive line is terrible, and I do hesitate to evaluate anybody at the skill position, particularly running back with this this, this offensive well, line. But then when you have another guy, like I said, with Zeke coming in and him looking better with the ball in his hands, it's a real head scratcher. I mean, so just to give our our listeners some context to what he's talking about in terms of the struggles of the skill positions, I've dug up some statistics on this, and Simonelli, you're going to hate to hear it. No. Stephon Diggs has 462 yards before the catch, which means he's running around the field and then catching the ball downfield and carrying it. Yeah. 10.7 yards for an average depth of target. The entire Patriots wide receiver core has just 538. <laughs> it, it's like the passing attack just doesn't prioritize downfield passing. And when they try, it doesn't work. <laughs> they try to get Devontae Parker. They go, you're supposed to be the deep guy. You put the ball in his hands and he can't get it. He doesn't fight through contact. He doesn't fight for contested catches. He, he's, he's a problem. He's a real problem at this point. He's a giant turd is what he is. I mean, let's call it what he is. Like, he, at the post-game press conference that he had, he was, like, flipping with reporters. He was short. Next question. Oh, it went off my fingertips. No, it went right through your hands, pal. We watched it. Went right it. through your hands. Yeah, you know it. You're not dumb. It. We're, not, we're not stupid, neither are you. Don't insult my intelligence. Right. And, and it just, I, it's just, I look at it, and I'm like, what? Was this guy, like... So we let Jacoby Myers go. We signed this guy to an extension, and we signed a guy in Juju Smith-Schuster with one knee. Like, what are we doing? Like, I years ago when we traded for Wes Walker for a second and a seventh, they gave him five years and $18 million 
from Miami, everybody laughed at us and they're like, oh, why would you, what, what, why would you sign Wes Walker? 18 million, you're giving him $18 million and you gave up in a second, a seventh for him. Yeah. How did that Bill was out? at the top of his game. How did that out pan great. Out? <laughs> and now all these years later, you like, you're, you're, you're the, you're the dope. You know, you're the 2007 Dolphins who went one in 15. Yeah. Like, you, you guys are the laughing stock of the league right now. I mean, they can't lose enough games for me. Like everybody says, Chicago controls the drafts because they got they you know they got the top two picks, so they control you know ne- next year's draft whatever. Like just lose, just lose, just lose, just lose. <laughs> Don't win. Don't win. Like this coaching staff is. A good, I'm a firm believer in two things. Mac is not going to be here next year. Neither is Bill. Oh, see that's it. And that's they the can't. sticking point. Like right here on the offense, I think no matter what they like, is Bill Belichick's acumen has always been about defense it's always been about how well does the defense game plan for this opponent do this do that at this point i think the buff the, the bill should be judged considering he's coach and gm on the way this offense performs and if the first six weeks of the nfl season has told us anything it's told us that he does not understand what it takes to be successful in the nfl today he just doesn't – it's passed him by. And I'm not the first person yeah. to say that. This isn't unique. It's weird when yeah. you go, hey, my running back, Ramondre Stevenson, leads my team in yards after the catch. <laughs> look, that's the guy. He's the guy who has most of my receiving stats is a running back. It's not great. Schematically, Hunter Henry, probably the Patriots' most recognizable offensive weapon. But it's telling that the team is playing 12 personnel a lot more. And I understand Gasicki's more of a wide receiver than an inline tight end. But they're playing more 12 personnel than 11, which I think is kind of an indictment on the wide receiver group as a whole. They don't trust the depth. Demario Douglas, I mean, him coming back from that concussion is huge for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I thought Tyquan Thornton coming off IR would have been, too, like would have given them a little bit something like at least like if you drafted the fastest player in the draft like can't you just tell them all right look um you may not be the most polished root runner but we're just going to have you sprint down the field on every play and take a safety in a corner with you yeah if you Fly take rocks. two guys with you whatever then somebody somebody has to be open he had one one reception for six yards on sunday and mike Gasicki, another miami stiff um three receptions for 28 yards there's a play that's embedded in my mind at the end of the game for the safety where Max Crosby literally, literally turned Mike Kosicki around in the 360 degrees and just made him land, land him, uh, just made him fall right on his butt and went around the left tackle. I forget his name, but he's terrible. Um, and just like blinked and he was in the backfield and sacked Mac Jones. Like, so yeah, they are running two tight ends, but they only have really one. They only have one. Like when they ran two tight ends here years ago, both of the tight ends could block. Both of the tight ends could run after the catch. You have one tight end that can catch, and neither of them can block, by the way. Hunter Henry and Gesicki are not good blockers at all. Well, and at so, all. And so this explains a lot, because when you watch the passing chart and you look at the statistics, your offense is playing small ball. And at the same time, your skill players aren't making explosive plays when they catch the ball and run in space. Which makes it really simple for teams with decent front seven play to just corral you up and stop your offense from gaining any sort of yardage, getting into any kind of a rhythm. And in worse, 
like worse for you guys, they do a lot of freelancing where then linebackers get cocky by the third drive of the game and go, hey, I'm going to drive on this pass. I think I can get it. <laughs> and now you guys are in trouble because you have a quarterback who's not willing to take shots down the field and he's throwing into it's almost like when you've chummed the water and now there's sharks there and you decide you're going to jump in anyway. It's just not yeah. great what you guys have created. It it takes me as a Bills fan back to the Ryan Fitzpatrick era. We had one year with Chan Gailey where it worked. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt. Gets a, he gets a contract extension, immediately breaks his ribs, and that's the end. <laughs> the whole thing comes crashing down. We lose the rest of the season. It's over. After that, we assumed we would pick up where we left off, but teams now understood, hey, this team only throws the ball inside of a 20-yard window. So our safeties never lift. There's no deep quarter coverage now. Everyone creeps up to that 20-yard line. The linebackers now creep up to the line of scrimmage, and if there's no crossing route, they blitz, or they just spread out to the flats and the sidelines. There becomes no room to operate, and it's suffocating. And what happens is your offense just slowly dies. I've watched this movie, and now I'm watching it play out in a Patriots uniform. And so with that in mind, like, I guess the question is, do you have, do you place more blame on the lack of explosiveness of the players or the play calling and the play design by Bill O'Brien? Because realistically, you should be able, to your point, Use a guy with Tyquan Thornton's speed to pull some defenders away to open something up for Kendrick Bourne, who is your leading receiver, who's getting all the attention, all of the targets. Mm-hmm. Like, you think you could be more creative, and we haven't seen that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, Billy O'Brien is not this bad of a coach. Like, I, and I know Alabama was happy to be rid of him, and I know the Alabama fans, I remember listening to, you know, you know, I'm you one of them. listen to him every now and then, but, <laughs> you, you know, but yeah, well, Paul Feinbaum, his show has like all the Alabama calling fans. They are like, it's like the most hilarious thing ever. You know, hey, Paul, you know, like with that Southern rule, yep. um, which is great. And they all hated him. So I blame the players. Like I do, like I. Billy O knows his, 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 knows his X and O's. Like, Bill Belichick knows his X and O's. These guys cannot play. But then it comes back to Bill the GM. Like, what are you doing going out getting these, getting these, just these guys who just, just slug, you know? And now you want to try to get your fast guys in the sixth round with Kayshawn Booty, who has been in bubble wrap, basically, not even bubble wrap, he's been in mothball since the first game where he didn't get two feet down on the catch. He hasn't seen the light of day. And, you know, Pop Douglas, when he's in there, he may get two or three balls thrown to him, but he was also putting mothballs because he fumbled. And so you're trying to get speed and elite playmakers in the sixth round. It doesn't work that way. Like, you're not you're not going to find Wes Welker again. You're not going to fleece the Dolphins out of uh, – you're not, you're not, and you're not going to find Julian Edelman in the seventh round again. Just ain't going to happen. Like, those premium guys now are at the top of the draft. You've got to go get them. It's, and his, uh, you know, uh, his astute observation, he decided to draft Nikhil Harry. Which, again, I told you, not hitting on a wide receiver in the 2019 draft was the equivalent of sitting in a boat in water and falling out of the boat and not hitting the water. It was impossible for you to miss drafting a wide receiver in that draft. The, the wide receivers that came out of there are like the biggest playmakers today, from Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, to A.J. Brown. The list is on was Terry McLaurin. And you drafted Nikhil Harry. 
Like it just, <laughs> it just boggles the mind. It He's just, done I can't. This. So it's definitely the skill. It's and he did it for years with other guys, and Brady really made a lot of guys, average guys. Very well, of course, and he's gotten away with good. murder. I mean, he's gotten away with yeah. murder, right, because of Tom Brady. Now, it's yeah. funny, like, you're saying it. You're like, oh, you're trying to do the same thing over again, but it's 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 old. It's tired. It makes me think of Bruce Springsteen, that album, The Rising, that he decided to fucking write. Come on up for the rising. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. No, no one's buying your bullshit anymore, Bruce. Get out of here. Get. Get. <laughs> Get if I had a broom, if I had a straw broom, I would chase you off my front porch. So, like that's where Bruce, like that's where Bruce Springsteen is, and that's where Bill Belichick is. Now, makeup of the offensive line in the just so we can move on in the formation data. I've got some points that I think are interesting to Bills fans. I want to get your point on them. Mafia and Sal <laughs> playing guard have not been good. Like up and down mm-hmm. is being nice. Mm-hmm. Sal looks better than Antonio Maffi. Maffi was talked about per, like post-draft. Everyone goes, look at this steal they got. He's big. He's physical. He hasn't done any of that. And the worst mm-hmm. part that I've seen is that he has no play recognition. I've watched the snaps where they were on a stunt and he gets lost. He doesn't. His processing as an offensive lineman is very slow. And they run the same stunt every single time, and he has yet to pick it up. Yes. Now, to me, that's coaching. Like that's that's coaching. That's our Adrian Clem. Like that that's coaching. Like when you come to the sideline, dude, they've run the same stunt on you three times. <laughs> yeah, you got to communicate with the guy next to you. Like, but that's to me that's coaching. But go ahead. Well, I was going to say Sal. He's been better, but not great. Yeah. What you guys have, when you had Tom Brady and this team was good, you're, you guys protected the A and B gap. Like that was integral to the offense. Tom Brady needed time in the pocket to operate because it wasn't a mobile quarterback. You have the same thing now. The problem is, is that you can't provide that to him on a regular basis. And so what you end up with is a quarterback who is now every snap going, is this going to be the one where that guy breaks down? Right. <laughs> Do I have to be looking for an escape route? And it takes away from his ability to watch what is a group, a limited group of offensive skill players, right? Yeah. I mean, he's Mac right now is, is broken and he, he, you can definitely see, you can definitely see him bailing out of the pocket when, even when there's no pressure, but if there's like the slight hint that somebody's coming near him, he bails and he did that like two or three times. And he actually did that. Sunday, when he threw the interception, again, thrown across his body, he didn't need to get out of the pocket, but he did. And it just speaks to what you're saying. Like, you know, when Brady was in there towards the end, you had Joe Tooney, you had David Andrews, and you had Shaq Mason. Those were your three guys. Leaps and bounds compared to what you have now. Um, I, I, I have no problem in saying this. He didn't play this game, but I can tell you right now, Cole Strange, B-U-S-T, City. Ooh. Disaster. Absolute disaster. This kid gets obliterated almost every game. It's terrible. Um, so they win another, another draft pick. Yet another draft pick. That another shocking draft pick. When they took him, yeah. everyone was shocked that he was. I thought he would be there in the second or third round for Buffalo because I wanted to get a jersey that said Stranges on the back. 
so I could just walk <laughs> pull strange so I could just walk around and go get some strange get and some like strange. point to the back like I, I just of course. <laughs> I thought that would be fun you guys stole that from me and it turns out you did me a favor in multiple fronts in multiple ways well, in my life my life is better because you drafted apparently also you know uh, did the uh, did the Rams a favor as well? Because if you remember from that draft, you may or may not. There was there was a soundbite in a press conference where literally McVay and the GM Sneed were laughing because um, they had a fifth round grade. On yes. Them. So yes. I again, like, how does one or guy have a first round grade? Another guy have fifth round grade? I I don't know, but that doesn't seem. <laughs> Doesn't seem right. Now, Something's cha- wrong there. Now, changing side of the ball before we lose time here. Yep. I'm just looking at the defense. This Patriots defense is obviously not what, he, what we're used to. Bill is not having his usual magic effect. Like he's, not, You're not watching like a concerted game plan for each opponent that you're playing. It seems more like you guys are hanging on for dear life in every single game. You guys are more passengers on defense than you are drivers, which is a weird thing for this franchise, I feel like. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've noticed, and this is a big one, against the the Raiders, you guys blitzed 30 individual times, and the net result was three pressures. Your 12 sacks on the season rank in the bottom of the NFL. You lost Judon, which hurts you, Keon White is dealing with a concussion. When it comes to this Sunday's game against the Bills, like where is the pressure coming from now? Like just looking at the way your team is built. Yeah, you got me. I mean, they're really going to have to dial it up and be creative to get anywhere near you guys. And and good luck doing that because you had a trade. You you literally had a trade for J.C. Jackson just so you would have a viable starting corner on this team. Um, due to injuries, you know, to the Jones boys, obviously to Christian Gonzalez being out for the year. Um, I mean, your starting corners, Miles Bryant and Sean Wade prior to, um, you know, uh, prior to J.C. Jackson coming back here. Um, They have like five safeties, but they have none, if that makes any sense. The combination of, you know, they throw out there, whether it be Peppers, Duggar, Phillips, um, Jalen Mills when he plays, which is rare now. Um, they just got a bunch of guys who really don't have spots and just do to just out there. And at least when you had Gonzalez, at least when you had um, a Judon, you could say, okay, boom, boom, linebacker, corner, you know, two best players, studs. You know what they're going to do? Going to get after the pass? Going to sh- lock this guy down? Shut this guy down? They 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 really don't have anybody. I I I, I don't see how. They can hold you guys to like under forty points this week, <laughs> absent of like you know again another like uh, uh, wind game, you know, hey. uh, up in Buffalo a couple of years ago. But other than that, I just I don't see I don't I don't know how like and I watch Sunday night by the way I watch Sunday night against the Giants in glory cheering for the Giants even though I hate the Giants just so I can come on here and laugh with you guys. <laughs> but you won the game and I get to give you something. That's a game years ago you guys probably would have lost. Oh, one hundred percent. We and I said it. So, I go. It's an ugly win. I give you that. But I'd rather win ugly than be the Eagles. I'd rather win <laughs> ugly than be the Forty ers I would right. rather do a lot of things than be those teams. Now, right. I love the fact that J.C. Jackson is back because it speaks to the fact that all Bill knows is what he used to know. He goes, "Hey, mm-hmm. I knew J.C. Jackson. I knew he was good. They're tired of his shit. 
<laughs> Let me bring him back. And yep. so they do, and they go out and they trade for him, and he comes back. He has an okay game, but he's not. He's J.C. Jackson. He's not going to shut down Stephon Diggs. He's definitely not going to. Like you just look at this as a whole. It all looks like this is just a compilation of Bill's ego coming home to roost in the form of you've gotten by and gotten by and gotten by building poor rosters and getting bailed out by a Hall of Fame quarterback. And now he's gone and this team has gotten worse precipitously every year. You made one playoff appearance and then this team you're about to play on Sunday is the team that had the perfect game against you. And he's never really recovered from that. It's been all downhill from there. As a Patriots fan, as a watcher, as somebody who's used to talking about this stuff, what for you is the upshot and what's the silver lining in this for you? I mean, like, if you had to try to prognosticate what the outcome is, realistically, what do you have? For the, for the year or for this game? For this game. For this game, that, that you somehow miraculously create a bunch of turnovers on defense and that the offense has short fields to work on and they make hay. <laughs> um, maybe, just maybe, they'll be able to run the ball on you guys with Milano out. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm grasping at straws here. Like, they haven't been able to pass against anybody. They barely ran against pe- against the Raiders last week. So that would be the best outcome. I mean, for you guys to turn the ball over multiple times and for the, for the, for the offense to have short fields to work on and, and, and make some, make, make something with those turnovers, you know, score points, lots of field goals, touchdowns. If you were to try to prognosticate, well, we are the best red zone offense. If you had to prognosticate the final score and then also what your demeanor is going to be when this one's over. I mean, I don't know, forty-five to three. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'm, you know, you can find me on my couch Sunday, sitting there, and you could throw breadcrumbs at me like I'm in a park, like a pigeon, and just sit there, and it would just bounce off my face. I mean, I just, again, it's just going to be another day. Where I'm going to be sitting there numb. Can't believe what I'm watching. I, I don't know how we score, and I don't know how we stop you guys from scoring. So, I, forty-five to three, yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. Nobody would waste breadcrumbs on you. You're Italian. You need we, those. We, we know you already <laughs> That's have That's true. I wouldn't waste them either because I do need them for the meatballs. You're right about that. <laughs> Christian, where can everybody follow you on social media and uh, just buck up, bud. It'll be okay. It won't. Um, you can find me on X at Chris with the T-I-A-N. And um, I tell you, though, I noticed all these Buffalo Bills fans having a lot of a lot of fun with my tweets, a lot of good times, <laughs> a lot of likes, a lot of interaction. <laughs> so uh, happy to have you on board. Christian Simonelli. On Twitter, at Chris with a T-I-A-N. Spelled out, W-I-T-H-T-I-A-N. One of our longest tenured guests on the show, one of our favorites, does great work. Uh, Follow him so you can bathe in his misery. (laughs) As he says, it's... It's funny to me that Patriots fans are so down on their team, but I understand why. And here's what I think the Bills need to do this week to escape here with a win. Chris, these are the keys to victory. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. I feel pretty strong tonight. I've got some takes. 
First of all, I need strong run defense from the nickel. Here's why. The Patriots wide receivers don't generate great great separation. They don't get a you know the, the net result is that their passing attack is kind of a pushover. It's week over week just grinding to a halt. Kind of like a fat guy trying to run a mile. Chris, did you have to run the mile in high school? No. What? You don't have to do that? The presidential challenge where like every kid had to run one mile? No, I was in private school. Oh, that's so lame. Yeah, I did. I snuck off the course and went to the hardware store that's like right off the perimeter of the high school and bought, uh, uh, what do they call those, juju fish? Like the little gummy fish? Yep. And just had them. Like Swedish fresh. I just like had them in my pocket. And I remember my gym teacher, me at like almost 285 pounds, jogging past him, putting a Swedish fish in my mouth. And he goes, Gary, do you have candy? And it was it. That's all I could hear. Him just yelling about me having candy as I ran past him. The trash. <laughs> the Patriots are me trying to run the mile. They're all cheating, they're all eating candy, and they're all sucking wind trying to throw up on their shoes. Last week, we watched the Bills trio of Teron Johnson, Terrell Bernard, Dorian Williams. We watched them do a fantastic job of both corralling the run game and covering running backs out of the backfield. Who It, it almost makes sense because the Giants and the Patriots are very similar in the fact that their running backs are great players but they also play a very prominent role in the passing attack because they're great players, one of the few on the roster. We shut down everything they were trying to do, and it allowed the Bills to stay out of base and play more nickel. If we can do that in this game, they're more likely to be able to capitalize on Mac Jones' struggles throwing into the shallow areas of the field. This is where all of his picks take place, inside the 0-20 to 20 yard window from the line of scrimmage. If we can stand up against their base offense with our nickel defense, with Teron Johnson on the field, I feel like that is going to force them to have to throw into it Now, we've watched all three of these guys, even though they're undersized, take on blockers, shed blockers, get to the running back. It's not like the Patriots offensive line is the road grader it used to be, right? Yeah. Okay. So with that in mind, if you can do this and these guys can shut down the run, this thing is essentially going to become the Ryan Fitzpatrick offense. Donald Jones and David Nelson were going to be open deep, so you were forced to play the whole game. Essentially, you're forced to play small ball. Shrink the field. Your safeties start to take liberties. You drive on balls inside the box rather than sitting back in a too-high safety look and play the deep half. Those tendencies for Mac. I expect to see the Bills playing nickel, starting a little deeper, and moving closer to the line of scrimmage as the game goes on. Against a team that does so little to get into the deep quarters of the field, via scheme or via natural talent of its players, I'd like to see Sean McDermott continue his aggressiveness. Just especially when it pertains to the the front seven, create sacks, create turnovers, 
and make him throw into those three players. I want to see Dorian Williams. I want to see Terrell Bernard. I want to see Teron Johnson out there. Because, Chris, who at that level, like, what do you want? Terrell Dodson? Let's give it a shot. Would you rather take Teron Johnson off the field? Please don't. Exactly. I think those three are our key to kind of corralling everything these guys want to do. Just in the way we played the Giants this past week. Uh, second key to victory, hide Kyrie Elam. Like if we could leave him at home, that'd be nice. When the Patriots do choose to take shots downfield, the Bills need to make sure that Devontae Parker isn't lined up on Elam without any help over the top. Elam's issues with recognizing what to do when the pass is in the air, like they make him a liability. And while Parker has been awful, don't get me wrong, he's been terrible when forced to make contested catches, Elam has no ability to read the football in the air. He's botched so many plays over the course of the last two weeks simply because he doesn't know when to turn his head around and he gives up chunk yardage. That, you just heard Simonelli say it. If Devontae Parker catches that ball against the Raiders... Maybe the entire game is different, right? Yeah. You don't want to be on the receiving end of that, do you? I hope not. Okay. So the idea is they need to decide if Ingram isn't the better player to have as your third cornerback on the boundary. Given that he seems to have a little bit better ability to recognize what to do when the ball is in the air, Kyrie Elam right now is like a dog chasing a car. He wouldn't know what to do with it if he caught it. I don't know how he's regressed from last year to this year, but he has. And so they have to make sure he cannot be a liability that allows some big plays that gives the other team life. Because realistically, that happened two or three times in the game against the Giants. It happened. It's the reason. I stand by this. Kyrie Elam is the reason we lost the Jaguars game. Those throws to Kelvin Ridley where he had no idea where the ball was and just gave up first down after first down, we cannot have that again. Chris, put him on a slow boat to China. I don't care where you put him. Just get him out of here. Execution from the shotgun is going to be massive for us. Something that was lost in Sunday's, like, woe on social media was, like, the realization by fans that Mitch Morse had kind of a rough night as did most of the interior offensive line. They didn't surrender a sack, but all three interior offensive linemen combined for five pressures, and each one of them was a quarterback hurry in a passing situation. So with that in mind, knowing that Barmore and the Patriots linebacking core and the fact that they that right now they're one of the highest blitzing defenses in the NFL, especially after the loss of Judon, like... I wouldn't be shocked to see the Bills approach this game with the same thing we've seen over the last few weeks that's upset everybody, which is a heavy dose of shotgun formation. And everyone goes, wow, get them back under center. Everything's more efficient. Well, guess what? You know what else happens when you put them under center and you're not getting proper blocking up front? Off any kind of play action you want to run, you have a defensive tackle like Christian Barmore right in your lap. 
Chris, that's why you don't call those plays when a team has a defensive tackle like that. Instead, you run a shitload of shotgun. I I urge you all to prepare yourselves for it. And ultimately, at nine, it might not be bad based on how it's worked out over the last few years. We've been very successful out of the shotgun. Just when they do call runs, they have to be better out of the shotgun. That's the only reason we're all bitching about this. Passing the ball out of the shotgun, Josh, has not been bad. When it comes to the running game, especially the fact that they choose to do it on second down, you have to find better calls than a draw. Oh, second and long, they're calling a, a, a run draw to James Cook right up the middle. Terrible idea. Hopefully they've thrown that play out the window. I think what we need to focus on is just getting better blocking and making sure that when we do choose to run out of the shotgun, it is off tackle. It's getting a guy in space who's fast enough to run away from already pre-blocked players, not up the gut looking for a crease, and that we're making the most of those opportunities. When that happens, like Chris, they have to be positive plays, correct? Yeah. You can't go on second down and 10 because you missed your pass on first down. You can't call a three-yard draw. That's a loser play because now you're committing yourself to third and long. You are helping the defense every time you do it. And statistics have proven passing the ball, all 32 teams, doesn't matter what down, what distance, whatever, passing the ball nets you about six yards per play. Or I think it was five and change. Running the ball nets you about four. You are doing yourself a disservice if you're not throwing the football. That's it. If you can run the football, that's nice. That gives you balance. It gives you the ability to threaten a defense with another look. Hey, don't defend the pass too strong because otherwise we could run this. But if you choose to go straight headfirst into that, you're kind of a dickhead. If you're just going to keep running a guy, like, I I just, they need to do this better, especially in a game, Chris, with Josh Allen nursing an injury. I yep. don't see him taking a lot of those shotgun runs. He better not. The last thing I have is attack the slot. Most of you will remember a guy by the name of Miles Bryant. And the only reason you remember him is because he made Isaiah McKenzie look so good that we all thought that a lot like uh, how Ryan Fitzpatrick switched uh, wardrobes yeah. with Deshaun Jackson. Before yeah. that Buccaneers press conference? Yeah. We thought Isaiah McKenzie was Stephon Diggs. <laughs> That's it. That's how badly he beat that guy. Bryant just isn't a good nickel corner, but he's the guy that the Patriots still have. He's giving up 72% in man coverage, which leads the team. He's giving up a 92% receiving yards, like receptions against in zone coverage, which leads the team. He's given up more than 100 rush, 100 yards receiving in each style of coverage. NFL passer, NFL passer rating against of more than 100 in both phases. Chris, he sounds like the worst thing to happen to cornerback. Like, who's the worst Bills cornerback you can remember? Worst Bills cornerback. We usually over we've the, had we've some had good, good cornerbacks. Antoine Winfield, your Nate Clements. 
Who's the um, worst you can remember? God. Even... I don't know if I can think of one off the top of my head right now. What I will say is this guy pales in comparison to anything we know about playing the cornerback position. He's certainly not Teron Johnson. They don't have another natural slot. They just don't have one on the roster. So he's going to get all of the run. And given all the work the Bills have done to beef up that part of their roster, I have to believe that they can recreate some of that 2021 magic. If they can get him in matchups against Kincaid, Hardy, Sherfield, there's names out there. And this is the guy who, J.C. Jackson, he's back. I don't give a shit. Maybe he's good again, but do you remember when Stefan Diggs just roasted him? Yeah. They got into a fight, literally a fight on the field. And then Stefan Diggs proceeded to have 100 yards on him. Uh, I think Jonathan Jones might be the other one, but he's injured. Jack Jones is just, maybe they're the same guy. I don't even fucking know. It doesn't matter. Their cornerbacks are weak. But I think this is the weakest link. And if you can find a way, a lot like we did in that 2021 game in Foxborough, to just expose Miles Bryant, it would go a long way towards just making this like layups for the Buffalo Bills in offense. So that's it, Chris. What do you have for a prediction on this one? Oh, uh, what do we say? <clears throat> eight and a half. Eight and a half spread. We've played two poor games in a row. Yes. Against this teams is, that people said were bad defensively. This is probably your get-right game. I'm going to think that the Bills cover. Oh, you're taking them to cover? Yeah, I think the Bills. I'll take that. I'll take that Seagram's bet. Yeah, I'm hoping that I can keep this streak going so you don't. So I never have to have that blue lemonade shit. <laughs> yeah. No, that Seagram's is fucking terrible, dude. Well, you know, when the Bills win by nine or more, you're having it again. You know what, though? I'll take it for a Buffalo Bills win. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. Big thank you to Christian Simonelli for joining us. But we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Week 7 Preview. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.